Welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Rusty. I'm a pastor here at Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. This is our weekly podcast where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher and tackle any further questions, applications, or other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't make it into the main meal. So grab a slice and join us this week with Pastor Matt. Hey, guys. This week's sermon was titled Heavenly Covenant Promises from Hebrews chapter 8. Verses 6 through 13. And picking up uh, that verse 6 that you kind of passed from last week to, to head us into this next section. But you, know, you can see very clearly coming into play now, we are moving into that covenant that the high priest that we've been talking about mm-hmm. for a while now is administering. Yeah. Yeah. There's been uh, this uh, priest with then lots of king language and then now covenant, even though. Hints of the covenant has been talked about uh, almost almost since sermon one. Yeah, uh, but it's not been the, a prominent feature, mm-hmm. but bits and pieces um, because he's the all of Hebrews. At least one of the main themes of Hebrews is don't go back to that. Yep, don't go back to that. Right now, to go back, see, it was fine to be in that covenant when that was the. Uh, what had been revealed to them mm-hmm. like that that was it was fine so it's part of what we would talk about in biblical theology of progressive revelation yeah and in the way um the way the way i th- think is most helpful to think about that is when the heavenly shadow covenant was what was in effect you the point of the heavenly shadow covenant if it was lived by faith rightly it was lived knowing that it represented something heavenly. Mm-hmm. So namely, as so very practically, as they would place faith in the sacrificial system of the Old Covenant, they knew that it pointed to God's rescuing them outside themselves, and they were utterly dependent on Him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they knew that this pointed forward to a greater fulfillment, yeah. like... Uh, and and maybe a better word to say was that it pointed upward mm-hmm. to a greater fulfillment. It pointed heavenly to a greater fulfillment. Now, that's how the Old Testament saint could be saved, yes. like Abraham, um, in, in a sense, quote, apart from Christ. Like, it, it's not apart from Christ, but and he's not known to them by name yet, mm-hmm. but he's known to them by um, concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, by personhood, yes. Like there, the concept is salvation has to come by God's hand outside of myself. I'm utterly dependent on Him, and so the, the there was two ways to view the old covenant uh, sacrificial system in in that uh, pre-Christ era, and that was to view it the way I just described it, mm-hmm. or to view it. Uh, as my means of salvation, mm-hmm. like it, that I could do these things and I could be saved, which is then what the Jews are doing, yes. right? Now, so it, pre-Christ, you could interact with the Old Covenant law those two different ways. Now, in the New Covenant, that Christ is present, the very thing at which the law points to, the, those sacrifices, namely, the specifically the sacrifices point toward it's Christ he's there he's present so now the only way to interact with the sacrificial system of the old covenant is necessarily via the wrong way mm. 
because the real thing's there. Mm -hmm. So you can't go interact with the old covenant law and the sacrificial system pointing forward to Jesus when the real thing, not the shadow, is is present. Yeah. It's a rejection of that. Mm-hmm. So that that's why when Hebrews is saying don't go back to this, he's not saying um in a sense he's not saying don't go back to the the good understanding of the law because that's not really an option mm-hmm. the, because Christ is here. So what he's telling them not to go back to again with that not being an option, what he's telling them not to go back to is the is the wrong option. Yeah. Don't go back to seeing this because the real thing's here. Yeah. Hey, you th- used to be faithful, but it can't be faithful anymore because the real thing's here. Exactly. So yeah. it, it's like, it kind of like the, the example I gave last week of the king. Um, if, if the representative's here, mm-hmm. it would be rude to keep talking to the representative if the king's present. Yeah. Uh, because the, the representative is just the shadow mm-hmm. of the king and the king's present. Yeah. Talk to the king. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. the thing I, I particularly liked about that is that heavenly direction because we talk often about the idea of them having to look forward to the Messiah, which is true. I mean, all that's still true. They're looking forward to Messiah coming uh, in an earthly sense, but he comes to bring a heavenly kingdom, this heavenly reality that's been the case all the time. Mm-hmm. This thing that is actually been effectual, not here on earth, but in heaven. Yeah, and so I, I think that that direction component was was super helpful of seeing how these things play out in the story overall right Mm -hmm. when you get to then the unfaithfulness even further of them in exile it really matters that this still happens in heaven right Mm -hmm. when the temple's not really doing what it's supposed to or the tabernacle it's not doing what it's supposed to and the the temple is failing because you've been exiled right yeah Yeah. that that was all super helpful so in the in the summary of this as we kind of just got the, the points from Sunday, at least, were a better kind, not just a different time. Uh, so that's some of that heavenly direction. Yeah, Hebrews uh, 8, verse 5 there. Mm-hmm. Yep. The problem with the Old Covenant and the promises of the New Covenant, which include an inward transformation, forgiveness of sins, the inner workings of the Spirit, and that all things are yours. So with this picture of Old Testament, a lot of people go like, all right, that's nice, heavenly, shadow, Real thing, real thing came. So real thing came. Why do we need all this Old Testament, anyways? Yeah. Well, yeah. Why do we still have to mess with that? Well, be, because the the law was fulfilled, not um, destroyed, mm-hmm. and and particularly the sacrificial component, or what we would call the ceremonial component of the old covenant, is obsolete meaning it's 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 there's no need for that anymore that that's um i guess i got ahead of myself there that's what's obsolete the law is not obsolete the the moral law the uh civil law the, the those things are not uh are done away with in christ so to to say that is um uh in in many ways, just commit like a, a like a theological suicide, mm-hmm. because if there is no Old Testament law, then as I'm going to say later, well, then what's he writing on our minds and hearts? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, at the risk of being provocative, maybe that's why so many Christians' minds and hearts are so empty. Yep, 
because they don't there's nothing that that can be written on their hearts because they've divorced themselves from 70 percent of the bible well that's if they already pick up their bible in the first place but yeah i mean that's that divorcing is not an unnecessary or harsh language i mean Andy Stanley, well-respected, well-known pastor, he used to be in evangelism evangelist uh, circles for a long time. Uh, 2018, he says the Christian faith must be unhitched from the Old Testament. Yep. And then now he's pushed that even further. We don't really need the Bible at all; just the resurrection. Yeah, that's what you you feel, know, think about Jesus and what he did. Yeah, and next he he'll he'll ditch that eventually, or he will so. Um, maneuver away uh, and maneuver around anything that's potentially valuable mm-hmm. in the resurrection as mm-hmm. well. Uh, you know what's funny is usually Andy Stanley's been ahead of the game. On this one, he's a little behind the game. I think we've <laughs> unhitched from the Old Testament for a long time, and he just found a way to make some book sales off something that's already happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, Christians have been unhitching themselves from the law. Yes. Um, for a long time. I mean, f- for for decades now. So it was my understanding growing up in the church that the reason that we didn't spend as much time in the Old Testament was not because we didn't think it was important. It's not because they thought that we needed to unhitch. It was not because, I, I don't know, that it was difficult to do the laws. What I, My perspective, and from what I understood growing up in the church, is that it was just that it was hard to understand. <laughs> right? <laughs> So, interestingly enough, when I then go to to school my freshman year, everyone's talking about, you know, Piper had been, that was kind of his really prolific releasing of books. Um, And people were talking about how great Piper was, John Piper, and, but he's really hard to understand, like, it's deep stuff. (laughs) So, if you you want the deep stuff, you you go read him. And so, it's this, uh, we're going to talk about some of this later with some of our uh, Christian laziness and, and understanding. But my perspective of the Old Testament growing up in the church is that it was good. It was fine. It's just we're not sure what to do with it. It's yes. hard, hard, hard to understand. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that, I think that's the better phrase that we're not sure what to do with it. Uh, how do we, how do we apply it? Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's a, there's a couple different, um, uh, acceptable ways and I think even helpful ways and and I probably honestly oscillate between the these two different um, ways I think they're both um, very fine or acceptable I probably lean more towards the second example but um, that would be so the first one is like kind of known as like viewing the old covenant kind of three different components. You have the ceremonial law, the civil law, and the moral law. And uh, to describe each one of those just very briefly, the ceremonial law would be uh, like the ritual laws, uh, the sacrificial laws. So these are the things around the sacrificial system. You got to have this kind of lamb, and it's got to be sacrificed at this time, and and the temple and the Holy of Holies has to be prepared this way. Those are all ceremonial laws. And then you have the civil law, which is would be related to the government and and affairs from the magistrate and and so on and so forth and um, and then you have the moral law uh, and, and particularly you know at the heart of the moral law is the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. uh, and then basically proponents uh, of that uh, and again I I would describe to some of this you know uh, that 
that the basically the ceremonial law is done. We don't need to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the civil law and the moral law, those are still in effect. The second way uh, that I probably lean more towards majority of the time would be like what I, what I would call like the heart of the law. Mm-hmm. So basically, you should ask the question: What is the heart? What is the uh, really, what is the character of God that is being expressed in this law? If it's not clear, like explicit, um, then uh, we are bound to that. If we are Christians being made into little Christ, who is the exact imprint of his Father, and if Christ is the exact imprint of the Father, then we are bound to anything that looks like the Father. Mm-hmm. Like that's how we should act. So, an example, at least of uh, not not an example of the law in that sense, but where I would gather that from would be from a passage like Matthew twenty-two, beginning in verse thirty-four. It says, "But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, <laughs> uh, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law?" Now, for the record, which law is he talking about here? Hmm. Hmm. Okay. All right. Just want to make sure we're clear here. Hmm. Uh, and said to him, uh, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And said to him, and he said to him, meaning Jesus, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Which law? <laughs> Which law? The law. The, the law. Yeah, this is in the Old Testament. Uh, it's in the first two-thirds of your Bible. And, 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 and what, what's happening is Jesus does the same thing on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, the, you know, the, the Old Covenant says, the Old Testament law says, you shall not murder, but I tell you, if you have, uh, you know, been angry at your brother in your heart you have committed murder Mm -hmm. um so what jesus is doing is he's he's helping us see how do we understand the law so jesus is here's the key jesus is not saying you don't need to pay attention to the law just love your neighbor Mm -hmm. he's not saying don't pay attention to the law just love god and 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 honestly that that's where most evangelical christians are yeah. The extent of so of the law and their understanding of the law is love God, love neighbor. Mm-hmm. And it stops there. Yep. And then, well, then if it stops there, well, how do you define it? There's no true definition of those first words. Yeah. So when we get to a passage like this in Hebrews 8, and he's quoting Jeremiah, and it says that he, he has put the law on our minds, and he has written it on our hearts— Literally, for most Christians, the only content there is love your neighbor and love God. That's it. And they don't have any more content. Yeah. And so, but, but because life is way more complicated than that, what do we do? We start filling in all the gaps. You have to. Yeah. Well, what does it mean to love my neighbor, a.k.a. my child? What's it mean to love my spouse? Mm-hmm. Uh what do I, what do I, and so then all sorts of garbage comes into there. Well, it looks like making them happy. It looks like uh, being gracious. It looks like uh, putting them all these sports. 
It looks like letting my wife have what she wants so that we have peace in the home. That's what, that's what love your neighbor looks like. So, but that's not the case in the scriptures. What's happened is Jesus is not saying like, so, so if, if that's your view of, well, just love your neighbor. Okay. If that, if that, if, if there's no need to fill that in with the old Testament law, then when Jesus is saying, uh, that the the Old Testament says you shall not murder, but I say if you have anger in your heart, you've committed murder. Then logically, the first half of that statement then doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be consistent and it's just love God, love your neighbor, then it doesn't matter if you actually physically kill him. That's fine. In your heart, as long as you're not angry with him, then you're good. <laughs> but, but see, because here's what's happening. Jesus is not saying the first part, a.k.a. the law doesn't matter. What he's saying is that it's both. Yeah. He's saying that the law was pointing to this. So it's not the thing that it's pointing to still matters. But what he's saying is he's putting more weight on it. So he's mm-hmm. saying on the surface level, you can't kill your brother. And what it was pointing to is that what this looks like is actually loving your brother. Mm-hmm. So he's saying it's not just enough to not kill him. You actually have to love him. Mm-hmm. You, you have, have to, to seek l- his good. You have to seek his good. And sometimes seeking his good is going to look like making him really mad. And sometimes seeking his good is going to look like giving him the, the shirt off your back. Mm-hmm. So uh, w- when Jesus is saying... Uh, that that this is the the greatest commandment, and all of the law and the prophets hinges on this. He is showing us how he's showing the Pharisees in this moment how to interpret the law. Yeah, I think what's most frustrating to me, at least as a not even as a pastor, but just as a Christian, is that it's really not that hard. It, it's not. Like, we don't have to really jump through hoops on most of the Old Testament law. Yeah. Sure, there are things that are way more like time and contextually originated mm-hmm. that can certainly be somewhat confusing or be like, all right, I'm not sure how to apply this one, but the majority of it is pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's not let's not kid ourselves that it's about understanding it. It's about actually mm-hmm. wanting to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, and I think that's why the minds and hearts piece is so important. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. I think we just, the more we know of what God expects, the more our consciences are going to be pricked. Mm -hmm. And I think we just don't want. We'd rather just not know. We'd rather plead ignorance as though that's a viable option. Yeah. Like, so, so very practically, just. Like my encouragement, like so, example would be with the ceremonial law. This is where I would. I'm not willing to say just throw the whole ceremonial law out. It doesn't matter. Don't pay any attention to it. Uh, like some would say, I would say, well, what's the heart of it? You know. So when God, what's the heart of ceremonial law? Well, one of the heartbeats of the ceremonial laws is that walking into God's presence is a serious deal. And sanctification. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can't just this, walk in all willy-nilly. The separation of God's people for a holy purpose. And, and I know people thought, well, the prodigal son, he comes back, and, and then, oh my goodness, the father runs out, right? <laughs> Which he does. The father does run out. But don't forget, 
what happened to the son? Mm-hmm. It was humility. Mm-hmm. And he realized that he could not do it on his own anymore and that he needed the father. Yep. So, yes, the, the father came running, and that's a beautiful picture in a sermon in its, on and its own. And sanctifies him. He puts the ring back on and a robe. He does. <laughs> but it was the humility mm-hmm. uh, before walking into the father's presence. Yep. Um, now, it was, it was the father who... Uh, the picture there is of a sovereignly orchestrating by giving him all of his inheritance so that he could go squander it. Uh, he he essentially put the tree in the garden mm-hmm. for the son to then go experience the end of his uh, foolishness mm-hmm. and sinfulness. So uh, uh, another like heart of the ceremonial law would be that that the solution to our greatest need is outside of ourselves. So the the sacrifice. None of the people were sacrificed. Mm-hmm. It was always a substitute. And it was always God's means, meaning he set up the pathway to do it, and it was God who had to accept it. Yeah. Right? So, again, though all of those rituals are pointing to God's standard is high, mm-hmm. and, and, and but God's going to meet it for us. Yep. So those are great application points for us to the, to then walk into. So uh, the next thing, uh, it kind of following in line with that is that he'll put the laws in our minds and write them on our hearts. Again, uh, just to reiterate, what law is he going to put on our minds? <laughs> right? Just love your neighbor. Yeah. I mean, I mean, live in a way most consistent with your emotions. Mm-hmm. Make other people live in a way most consistent with your emotions. That's the real one. Is that the real law? <laughs> Is that the law? I mean, I think when you look at most Christians, that's the law that's been written on their hearts. Mm-hmm. Uh, or uh, make sure you never say anything that offends anybody, especially a lost person. Mm-hmm. That's another law. It's been written on the heart. You damage your witness. Yep. It's always white people's fault. That's another law. It's been written on most Christians' heart. Yeah, especially old white guys. Or how about don't... Here's a, here's one I think we face in the church particularly. Don't make anyone feel guilty for their sins. Matter of fact, shame on you if you make someone feel shame for their sins. Yes. <laughs> you know, the, only, the only sin that you can make anyone feel shameful for is the sin of making someone feel shameful for their sin. Mm-hmm. You know, you can work that logic out in your head. You can pause right now. Pause the recording. They'll never be able to start again. (laughs) If you feel shame right now, just hit pause and Mm. go repent. Yes. Okay. But that's not the law. It's not. The the law, there's content to the law. There is, and there's only one law. Yep. I made the statement on Sunday, you you can't love that which you don't know or understand. Um and then I made made the statement if you're like the flash in the pan, so this is the person that um, is knows very little or knows a little pieces of the Bible here in spurts, and then they they have all this big emotional excitement. You know, mm-hmm. they're just all these affections and 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 probably genuine. Um, I, at least I'm assuming so. And then it gets burnt up by the sun. But it's gone. This is gone. It's the seed that and then six, and is burnt up. And by then the sun. six months go by, and then you have another. 
uh, mountaintop revival experience. Mm-hmm. Usually uh, because of some suffering or end of your sin beforehand. It's yes. usually the case, but then you don't learn your lesson, mm-hmm. and then you go back into the valley in the desert again. And, and you return to your vomit. Yeah, yeah. And I said, I, I made this statement, if that's you, you're annoying. <laughs> it's it, like, it's uh, annoying, it's frustrating, it's heartbreaking, it's unnecessary mm-hmm. submit to the word I, and then the second i didn't say this yesterday but then if you think you have a lot of understanding but in reality you're just a child in the faith that's real annoying too mm-hmm. now and i imagine i might get some like uh tension or, or or i imagine there might be some people who are more upset at the fact that i called those people annoying than the fact that there are people who actually fit those categories. So I wanted to take a moment and show you Christ saying maybe something a little bit similar in Matthew 16, 8 through 11. But Jesus, aware of this, said, Oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood. Then they understood. It's as if that kind of rhetoric was helpful. Yeah. It was... He was plain. Mm-hmm. Jesus, so just in case you didn't pick up on it. Or you missed Hebrews 5, 11 through 6, 3. About this we have much to say, but it's hard to explain because you have become dull of hearing. Yeah. <laughs> You're too lazy to understand. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, and in my mind, as I said, uh, you're just annoying, uh, which for the record was... Uh, in my notes and was strategically planned. It was not off the cuff. It was said in sober minded fashion. Uh, and well, it's it was annoying. Said not, with it's annoying. Be, it's annoying because it's arrogant. Yeah. Well, it you is. You don't have a proper estimation of yourself. It is. But as I said it, I was thinking, I'm just saying what everyone else is thinking and not willing to say. <laughs> plain speak. <laughs> but you need to know like, who's going to tell that person? That you're harming the people around you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who, who's going to tell them? Yeah. Who, who's who's going to tell the person who has too high of an estimation of themselves mm-hmm. that 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 lack of genuine understanding coupled with the pride of thinking you have it? Mm-hmm. Who's going to tell them that that's really annoying to other people? Yep. Uh, that, or, or you know, it's not edifying to other people. Well, and that you're not going to be able to truly love the Lord. Yeah. You lack an understanding, and so you can't truly know him well. So let's just press on this annoying button maybe a little bit for, further by saying when he says this law being written on their, being put in their minds and their hearts, uh, the law being written on their hearts, honestly, sometimes I'm like, all right, God, I'm, I'm waiting for you to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I genuinely, I, I look at some people mm-hmm. and I'm like, God, I, <laughs> are you doing that, God? 
I know. I, and listen, and for some people, I really got to claim those promises. Like I got meaning like in my own heart so that I can walk patiently and, and I can say things plainly um, and straight at it, but with, with uh, joy and expectation. Um, I have to remember if this is a child of God, he's going to write that law. He's going to put it on their minds and write it on their hearts. And, and I'm like, but I'm over here like going, God, can I get an ETA? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, because the reality is, what's this going to happen? You, we have people who say they're part of the kingdom of God, but hate the law. You, you can't hate the law of the king. Yeah. You're, well, you're not you, under the king. And if you hate the law, then don't be mad when you're not part of the kingdom. Yeah. Listen, the, the king of this kingdom does not have laws written by legislators. Mm-hmm. Every law in— Or Supreme Court justices, because <laughs> they legislate too. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. This, is, this is all executive orders. Mm-hmm. It, it is all direct commands and, and authority and laws from the king himself. So to hate that is to hate him. To, or let me, let me back up because maybe that's too strong of language and I don't want it to overshoot any heads that it needs to hit squarely in the forehead. It might just be ignoring it. Neglecting it. Yep. Not caring. Mm-hmm. Some of you are married and have spouses that don't care. Oh, and then you wonder why your affections for the Lord are so low. Yeah, or you wonder you don't care, or you wonder why with that spouse they seem to to be indifferent about mm-hmm. the things of God, or maybe even hostile, mm-hmm. because uh, they don't love the things of the King. Mm-hmm. And it, it might be time for you to have that kind of conversation with them, where hey, do you actually love our King, the King that I'm that I'm following in our family, mm-hmm. uh, especially you husbands. Like, yeah. if you're if you're following this king and there's members of your household that's not following that king, you should go have a conversation. Mm-hmm. You should go say, "Hey, honey," or "Hey, son." You say you love the king. Do you actually? Yeah. And I just I, my my heart yearns for for the people in our churches and their households to to have those kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean. Yeah, you might get pushback. You might get blowback, whatever. But that's going to be much less painful than when the Lord looks at you and says, why didn't you say something? Mm-hmm. Or when you watch your family crumble. Yeah. Yep. And and then now for those who are doing this, praise God. Like you're, uh, Lots of incredible things are happening. I mean, it might be hard, mm-hmm. but they're happening. And I think you know we we talk you about are making this. a return on the investment of your salvation. Yes. So yeah. back to this mind thing. There's so much what we've called around here. Uh, I think Jeff was. I want to make sure he gets full credit for this. I think it was his uh, phrase first. Um, that way, people don't blame me. But uh, intellectual laziness. You can uh, have that. That's fine. That <laughs> was it. Yours. I like to think it's it's all mine. Well, it's not mine. Even though I get blamed for most things, true, it's not mine. Yeah, intellectual laziness. Um, I, I wish I would have connected that in the sermon. I, I wish I would, at underneath the mind section. I wish I would have drawn out this application. 
um, more people would have heard it and more people would have been offended by it. So, well, I mean, to the point of the passage, the covenant failed because they didn't keep, and I, I love the way you said it. He's like, he even gave them the play by play and they couldn't do it. It's not like you had to connect the dots. Like <laughs> it's a do this, then do that. Yeah. And they couldn't do it. Yes. And, and it's not from a lack of just straight obedience. It's because they didn't care to know. Yes. And they didn't love it. Yes. And so they're not going to obey it. <laughs> yes. For them, there was not the, so how do we, under, how do we understand the Old Testament? Yeah. That's what you were talking about earlier. earlier cause, yeah. Because you're like, it's not that it's not important. We just don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. There was not that th- for them. No. It was, it was just do it. Yes. <laughs> just do it by faith. Is it Tuesday? This is what you do. <laughs> like, here you go. Yeah. They, 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 they didn't care to know it. And they didn't care to be mindful of it. So they didn't care to fill their minds with it and or they didn't care to be mindful of it. Mm -hmm. And that's the same struggle that we have as well. 100%. We don't care to put it in our minds or we don't care care to be mindful of it in Mm -hmm. the moment, to recollect it and to submit our minds to it and let our emotions get in line accordingly in time. So there's a lot of, again, intellectual laziness. Like it takes work. Mm-hmm. It takes work. There is nothing. I mean, of, there is nothing in the Christian life that comes easy except the grace of forgiveness and redemption through Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> he did all that work. Well, that's what I, I, I don't remember if you said exactly yesterday. Uh, but I, I wrote down, and the problem with the Old Covenant is, is that, like, according to Romans 2, Romans also, not chapter 2, also, just the law fully exposed our need. That was the point. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. You need grace. And so here's grace. <laughs> like, that easy. Yeah, which which flows right into the, the last point I, I wanted to talk about today, is that he'll remember our sins no more. So... To, to jump back for a moment and then to go forward. You just said, like, the, the law was meant to expose our need. Mm-hmm. So then, practically, if we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, for he began a good work, we'll see it to completion, but we're to work it out, then functionally what should happen is every time we transgress or we fail to meet the standard of the law, then if we, if we respond rightly which is repentance and faith. So saying what I did was wrong. Now I'm going to turn to Christ for forgiveness and for the strength to now walk in righteousness. Then what is happening in that moment? I'm being reminded of God's grace. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Every time. So from there, now I'm going to step forward in this conversation right now. And, and I, I said this phrase, some of us don't know the joy of sins no longer remembered because we don't know the practice of sins regularly confessed. Mm-hmm. So what I meant was, is what, what I just said, uh, uh, based on your Romans passage, that the joy, and, and joy comes more greatly and deeply the more we rehearse that which uh, spurs joy, mm-hmm. that which brings joy. You don't just think about something one time and, and, and it, is going to overwhelm you forever with joy. Yeah. You you got to remember it's it. It's one of the great blessings is that you can remember it. You can go yes. back and look at these pictures. You can remember that joy that you had. Yes. So what happens in 
sin, you got a couple in there with this passage too, with the, the one for whom much has been forgiven, uh, loves much. Well, that's very akin to the one whose sins have been forgiven, or the one who knows how much they've been forgiven. It was going to have that equal amount of joy too, mm-hmm. and, and is going to love that much. So this very functionally or practically what I'm saying in the statement that the more you confess sins regularly, the more you will remember and know the joy of God's no longer remembering those sins, of being the debt being forgiven. And so this is really, though, uh, that sounds like really high, lofty, uh, <laughs> ethereal. I, I just want to bring it down real practically here. So uh, it's really a simple sentence, but let, i got to connect two dots, two more dots for you. Each one of us only has so much time, mental bandwidth, uh, joy-feeling bandwidth, <laughs> joy-knowing bandwidth. We only have so much. The more time you spend, for example, ignoring your sin, the more you get to enjoy experiencing the thing that you're giving your life to Mm -hmm. uh, while ignoring your sin. So it might be giving yourself more to your the TV, uh, you know the 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 box or uh, whatever sport it is, or who knows. So you're going to get to experience more of that, mm-hmm. right? Or the more time you spend self-justifying and excusing your sin, the more you will know the horror of that kind of life. Mm-hmm. But the more time you spend confessing sin. And, and faith in Christ, the more time you spend remembering and rehearsing sins forgiven and forgotten, the more you will know that joy. Mm-hmm. Now, now, let me caveat this with one thing. I, I don't mean go around looking for all of those things. Like, yeah. like I'm not saying like... Yeah, because uh, I, I want to add something real fast. Like, the more you're doing the works of the law and the things that he has set in for you to do, Ephesians 2.10 in advance for you to walk in, mm-hmm. the less sins you'll have to confess. Yes. <laughs> if you walk in joy and faithfulness doing the things that you're supposed to, that you will get rewarded for, Yeah, you have a lot less sin to confess. Yes. Yes, you will. Absolutely. And you'll be reminded that as you are walking in that faithfulness, this is only because that he's forgiven you of those sins. Because of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I... I, it, you said earlier, like, it sounds complicated. It's not. It's not complicated. No. It is the bridging I, that I, know and obey gap. It's the love. It's the affections. Man, the, the most complicated portion of walking a life of faithfulness is crucifying your pride. Mm-hmm. It's in, and then getting off, up off your butt and doing something. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's the complicated part. Yep. But, but even that, like, he's giving you a new heart. All of it. And he's giving you all the grace you need. Yeah. It's all there. Because, there because to bring us hopefully full circle, it was effectively done in heaven. Yes. It's it's done. You have real power. It has been done, it, not in the shadow, but in the effective seat in heaven. Mm-hmm. As Jeff showed us a few weeks ago, we have an anchor that goes upward. Yep. Right? His name's Jesus, and we're tied to that. Amen. Yeah. Yes, so that is our heavenly covenant promises. And we'll continue in this next week as we're actually going to look back 
uh, some more at that old covenant and what they went through, what they were looking to, what they, uh, to use some language you had, I guess last week, what they had in their hands mm-hmm. and say, all right, what, well, what do we do with that? Like, was it good or was it bad or was it good? But now it's better. So we're going to get to sacrifice some more of that. Oh, good. Fun. Fun. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to this week <laughs> for that. So with that, we want to encourage you as always to go know, love and obey Jesus as Lord overall. And we'll see you guys next week. See you guys.